God good? Let's get a bit more excited than that. Isn't God good? Yeah. All the time, yeah. Um, Steve was right here Tuesday, as we said farewell to, to June. There was a sense of the presence of God. And I feel it here again this morning. Welcome if you're joining us online. You have no idea how heavy the presence of God is in this room right now. And I have an assignment from the Holy Spirit. I, I woke up ready to preach, amen. I jumped out of bed and threw off the bedclothes and I got myself sorted this morning because there's a burden on my heart to, to bring us into a place. And it's the word that sets us free. It's the truth that sets us free this morning. And I want us to do that. I want us to come to God's word. I'm going to read the, the scriptures and then we'll, we'll pray. Luke in chapter 5, if you're following it on your tablet, your watch, your phone, your Bible, wherever the word of God is, and you can place it in front of your eyes, please do so. There's nothing like reading the scriptures. Some of you still like the old flicking of the pages. Some of you have got use your finger now, but it's all, it's all good when it's God's word. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They came from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some man carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went onto the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to think to themselves, who is this fellow who can speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. Aren't you glad about that? He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, haven't we had a mediocre day today? No, they didn't. They say, these things have been remarkable. We've seen remarkable things today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, as we gather in your house and in your presence this morning, we bind the powers of darkness. We declare your word without fear and favor. And I pray that we will have a day where you come by your Holy Spirit and you heal six bodies and you touch our lives and you give us a word of faith that will give us strength for tomorrow and the next day and the next day until you come and take us home. Father, strengthen us through your word, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is possibly my favorite healing account in the whole of the Bible. Jesus is surrounded by a religious mob. They haven't come because they want to particularly cheer him on. They have come because they want to catch him out. And so they've come from everywhere, the scripture tells us. They've come from all over the place. You know, it's hard to operate in faith in a negative environment, wouldn't you say so? It's hard to live your life 
if, if everything around you is negative, to rise up in faith when all the naysayers are saying, no, that can't be, or giving you an excuse why God can't or God shouldn't, or trying to tie God into their little way of thinking. It's very, very difficult to see a breakthrough in that kind of atmosphere. The spiritual climate can be toxic, can't it? And um, I believe, you know, this affects sometimes what we see in church happen and manifest. In fact, in the Bible, talking about Jesus going into Nazareth, his hometown, he said he could only do a few miracles there because of their unbelief. The atmosphere even pegged the anointing that was on Jesus' back. So we, we need to be very careful about the atmosphere we allow in the church here in Sedgley. And that's why I say here, as leaders, we are contending to keep an atmosphere of faith and, and joy. And uh, you know what? I'm going to honestly say this. And uh, we've had the pandemic to get a clean piece of paper. And you know what? I don't really care anymore. I've gone past caring about what you think or what you don't think in many respects. But, you know, if there is negativity and moaning, I can put you to another nice church to go to. Because we want something of faith and the presence of God in this house, don't we? And I, I, you know, it holds you back when, you know, when people are pulling a face and, you know, looking at you as if like you've crawled out from under a stone. I thank be to God as I look across the house this morning, there's faith in the house and an atmosphere for God to do something. And there's a hunger amongst us to say, God, do more than you've ever done before. Bless his wonderful name. And so, so we need to keep that atmosphere going. Then Luke, the physician, makes an incredible statement in the midst of all of these religious people turning up and creating this atmosphere of hostility and they weren't outwardly hostile but inwardly in their hearts they were kind of challenging everything Jesus was saying and then Luke makes this incredible statement and he said and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick that is an incredibly strange thing to say in the light of Jesus's ministry isn't it because Jesus was always healing the sick you flick over the gospel narrative, chapter after chapter after chapter. He's, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's healing, he's healing, he's healing. Blind people, deaf people, and or multitudes come to the door after Peter's mother-in-law has been healed. Jesus is always healing. So why is Luke making a special mention of the fact that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick? Well, I can only conclude, and you can disagree with me if you like, that Luke wants us to understand that this was a special time of anointed healing this wasn't just an ordinary day for jesus this was a extraordinary day and um you know like in revival it's a heightened time when people get saved isn't it in revival you preach one message and hundreds of people come to know jesus as lord and savior we've not had a revival for a long time there's been things that people have called an outpouring and I'm sure the presence of God has come in a stronger and a greater way but in our generation we have not seen revival not like what happened under the Wesleys not like what happened uh, in the Welsh revival not what like happened in the Hebridean revival when people were kneeling in the streets the preacher got off the boat and before he'd even got to the pulpit people were crying out to God that's when it gets a heightened sense of God's presence and that's revival but I believe what Luke is underlining for us here is a time of extraordinary healing the presence of God was in the house that I prayed as I woke this morning and I prayed all week dear Holy Spirit would you make this morning like that morning that the sense of God's presence is in this house to heal that we don't even have to lay hands on you 
that where you are, sickness is leaving your body in the name of Jesus. Right now, we curse that thing in the name of Jesus. Whether it's cancer, whether it's arthritis, whether it's you've got a bad ear, a bad arm, whatever you have this morning, we declare in Jesus' name that the presence of the Lord is here to heal the sick. Let it be a day like that day, Lord, we pray. And Jesus was holding this house meeting. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there. You know, sometimes when people gather, it's not always faith. Sometimes it's judgmental religion. And not everybody who comes to church and lifts their hands or puts their money on the plate is truly connected. But we judge by the outward appearance. But I want you to know right now, God looks right in on our hearts, doesn't he? He sees where we're at this morning, all of us. However we are and whatever we've done. You know, the agenda of those present in that moment was not good. But I want to say this morning that God is bigger than all those who are against him. And as the scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? All the naysayers around saying that can't be true. He's trying to heal people here. He's trying to give, forgive sins. He's, he's doing this, he's doing that. He's, he's always doing something to upset the, people, the religious people Jesus is. I love Jesus, amen. Some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. This miracle is about carrying someone who can't carry themselves to the feet of Jesus. Have you got someone in your home that needs carrying to Jesus this morning? Well, we're going to do a little bit of something after. But it looks like to me, it's not that one man tried to fireman's lift his buddy to Jesus. These four nutcases decided to pick up this poor man on his mat. This does not sound like a bright idea to me. But they were so desperate for their friend to get healed and to have an encounter with Jesus, they grabbed a corner each. And so the title of my message this morning is The Chosen. It's time to grab your corner. Okay? It's time to grab your corner. Because it always takes a team to get people to Jesus. Don't you know that? Sometimes you have prayed for someone, maybe a work colleague, and you've not seen them come to faith in Jesus, but you don't know what's happened because three months down the road, they changed jobs, and Mick from the other church down the road, he witnessed to that man, and then he, he never really accepted Jesus. But six months later after that, Tracy, who was their next-door neighbor, invited them to church, and they became born again. Because sometimes it takes a team. Sometimes we don't see the full outcome of our actions. Just play your part. Grab your corner. What's the scripture say? One man sows and another man reaps. But it's God who gives the increase. So we need as a church to be helping each other to get our loved ones to the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to kind of get somewhere with this message today, hopefully. See, the Bible is not a book of superheroes. We have a tendency to believe that, you know. God calls some great people in the Bible. But have you noticed God always surrounds those great people with other people that can support them? Because we're not always as good as we think we are. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, Jacob might have been renamed by God Israel and have an anointing as a patriarch. But he was still old Jacob on the inside. What we are under the anointing is not what we are. And so, you know, you look at the light, somebody like Moses, he would have failed miserably had he not been for his team. 
Moses did not do all that he did. And all of us, we're reading through the Bible in here, and you're reading about some of this stuff at the moment. He would not have done all that he did had it not been for some other people that stood with him. If it had not been for Aaron and Miriam and her and Joshua, Moses would have failed miserably because it takes a team. It takes a team to work and do what God is asking us to do. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Sometimes we need to show some great determination to get people to Jesus. We don't need to be as lacklustre as we are sometimes. I wish that my kids could come to Jesus. No, you need to get more aggressive than that. We need to take the word of God by faith and we need to start to pray and to intercede. And we're going to see God break through, I believe it, with all of my heart. These boys were fighting for an encounter for their friends and nothing was going to stop them. They ripped off the roof and you know what? They spoiled a perfectly good Bible study. Now that wouldn't go down well in some churches, would it? Because we like it all neat and tidy. That Jesus had got his PowerPoint out. And on the third slide, they only ripped the roof off. Because their hunger and determination to reach Jesus was such. And you know what? Jesus responded to that. He, he likes faith. He likes audacious faith, doesn't he, Jesus? Anytime he, he rewards anybody publicly or openly, he always encourages them and says, you have great faith. Your faith has made you whole. He looks for faith in us. And these boys have definitely got some faith that day. It's time to grab your corner and to make your contribution. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. All of those people were complicit in this that day. The four men who carried the man on the mat. But also I believe the man on the mat I must have had some faith. Can you imagine? You know when you're feeling poorly, you want to be left alone, don't you? Can you imagine you're feeling down and poorly and your bones are aching and you're feeling fluid up and then four of your friends decide to pick your mattress up and take you somewhere? You'd not be an happy person, would you? Let, let me sleep here. Leave me alone. Turn the light off. Leave me where I am. Don't you disturb me. And yet this, this man was, had faith enough to say to his friends, I, I want to I encounter Jesus as well. So Jesus said, your faith, your faith, collective faith has made you well your, your, your sins are forgiven but I want you to notice the priority that Jesus puts first he, he puts the priority on this man's soul friend your sins are forgiven you see the Pharisees were sitting there looking at this ill man and saying it's because someone in his family has sinned that he's on this mat it's his own fault and if it's not his fault, it's his dad's fault. If it's not his dad's fault, it's his granddad's fault. But somewhere down the line, he's messed up. Or his family's messed up. That's what's put him in this place. And that was the mindset of the Pharisees. It's his own fault. Jesus didn't believe that, not for a second. And that's why he said, look, you know, I'm going to forgive his sins and I'm going to raise him up. And, I, I, you know, I, I believe that sin is... is uh, doesn't cause us to to be like that the thing is if we were sick because we were sinful we'd all be sick wouldn't we because we're all sinful so that's not logical it's not even biblical but we know that sickness is a manifestation of the four 
and it affects believers and non-believers alike. But the good news this morning is we've got this healing power of Jesus in our arsenal. And he wants to touch some of you this morning in a way, a profound way. And, you know, we've, we've backed off preaching divine healing. Well, not anymore. Because the ministry of Jesus was predicated on divine healing. And he tells us to go do the same. So, you know, if we don't preach healing anymore, we're not going to see people healed anymore. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I want to say again this morning, the presence of Jesus is in this place to heal. It ain't going to come from my hands. It's going to come from the power of the Holy Spirit as we trust him right now. For signs, wonders and miracles to follow the preaching of the word. When he's lifted up, he draws us all to him. And we're lifting him up this morning. We've declared it already. He's the chain-breaking, miracle-making, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we trust him with everything to do with our lives. I tell you the truth. Take up your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he was lying on and went home. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We've seen remarkable things today. The collective faith of these five men brought about a miraculous day that was just unprecedented. All the religious people sat there with their mouths open as Jesus did something incredible again, as he always did. You know, I don't know about you, but my heart longs for these kind of days, remarkable days. When God moves among us and does things that we've not seen before. I'm 54 years old and I've been in church all of my life. But I can say, honestly say, I've never laid hands on somebody in a wheelchair and seen them jump out. But I'd love to. I've never seen a blind eye open in front of me. But I'd love to. And this is, this is the cry of the Bible, isn't it? This is what the ministry of Jesus was all about. Releasing people from sickness and sin. I want some remarkable days. Not some mediocre ones. I want to tear off the roof and... Have some of those moments where stretchers are emptied. Can you, go, can you imagine going to work on, on Monday tomorrow and sitting next to your colleague, Jill, you know, the one that don't like you, and says, uh, hey, how'd you go to church yesterday? They go, well, she goes, do you sing a few songs? Yeah, yeah. Did you hear the preacher? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was better than that, Jill. What do you mean it was better than that? Well, actually, somebody tore the roof off. The anointing of God came in the house and somebody jumped up out of a wheelchair. Do you want to come next week? <laughs> the problem is we've had too many mediocre Sundays. We've had too many miserable Thursday Bible studies. We need the presence of God to come and to be manifest. Oh, God, give us some days like at the Bingley Hall where they queued outside and they, gave, they put, bought lorries to take away the crutches and the wheelchairs. Oh God, let it happen again in our day. In these moments and these times, let it happen in the name of Jesus. But the call of this message, I believe, this morning is this, is that we need to bring people in faith to Jesus. As some of the old Pentecostals used to say, we need to start pleading the blood. And... Um, it works when we start being specific with God. You know, God hates generic prayers. He loves it when we talk to him. And, and so what I want us to do as a church is I want us to help each other to carry our friends and loved ones to Jesus. Is that all right? 
So I put a piece of paper out there, it's called Grab a Corner. It's only like a piece of line paper and a pen, don't get too excited, it's not like... I haven't put anything technological out there, you have to press a button or anything. I've just put an ordinary piece of paper. But as you leave church this morning, I want you to write down those that you want to come to Jesus. Of friends, families, relatives, colleagues at work. And, you don't be, and when you go out that door, just say to the Lord, I'm not carrying these people on my own anymore. There's a team doing this now. So every Tuesday, and I've already spoke to Glor, so I'm going to give her a list, and every Friday, we're going to call these people out by name. And we're going to carry our corner until we get to Jesus. And we're going to see some incredible days. Aren't we ahead of us? As God breaks into our families. We have to see breakthrough. I can't, I can't live with mediocrity anymore. I need some amazing days. I need some days where people, you know, I think it's the, it's the message translation of the Bible that says, God is back. That's what they said when Jesus did his healing. God is back. And he's looking to the needs of his people. We need God to be in our house and to be doing things. But it's going to take a team. So my thing to you this morning is, would you just grab a corner? Would you be bold enough to, now you call us to the mast, write somebody's name down on that piece of paper and say, I am believing with my brothers and sisters in church that before many days have passed, these, my loved ones, are coming home to Jesus. Because it takes a team sometimes to get people to the feet of Jesus. You know what, they've got to be willing to come though. You know, you just can't just drag people here. You know, and that's why we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would soften people's hearts to be ready to receive the gospel. Don't, don't, let, don't put their name on the piece of paper and then start arguing and round with them and, and beating them up to come to church. Watch what the Holy Spirit does. Wait till he starts to soften their hearts and open their ears and open their eyes to see and then the work will start to begin. I'm trusting God for a harvest here. There's been so much seed sowed. One man sows and another man reaps. But it's God who gives the increase. Time to grab a corner. Let's pray. In fact, stand with me, would you? If you go, stand with me if you've got somebody that you want to come to faith in Jesus. Somebody in your family. I think that should be all of us, by the way. That's, yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well. Just feel the presence of God in this place. Bless the Lord. We're standing for maybe one or two or three or maybe ten people. You know, just, just imagine if all of these people turn to Jesus in these next three or four months. We're going to have to rethink about church. We've not got enough chairs. We've not got enough toilet rolls. We've got enough toilets. We've not got enough anything to cope with that kind of number. But Jesus, do it. Give us a headache. That's the kind of problems I want in church. Give me so much growth that I don't know what to do with it. So I have to send some other people to other churches. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Father, in the name of Jesus, we grab our corner and collectively our hearts stand together in faith for those that are right on our minds right now. And I pray that darkness will be broken off those that we love, that the Holy Spirit would just enlighten their hearts, that the glorious gospel might take root. And just like in the parable of the sower, it wouldn't hit ground that was hard or choking or shallow. But Father, it would hit good ground. And from that good ground, we would see an incredible harvest in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. And this is nothing to do with us. This is We play our part in grabbing our corner, but it's nothing to do with us. We can't save anybody. We can't heal anybody. But it's, it's Jesus, isn't it? It's getting to Jesus. Even if we're surrounded by naysayers, it's getting to Jesus. Even though we're surrounded by those that say it can't happen or it shouldn't happen or it doesn't work that way. No, no, no. Our heart says, I'm getting to Jesus. He's the only one that can do these things. Is it all right if we pray for our world right now? I, I, just, I just sense that well, what's going on in the Ukraine and other places around the world, as, as Christians we could become quite disillusioned and disheartened. Hey, listen, look up for our redemption doors near. D- don't be so worried about Putin. I'm not looking for Putin or the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for our world right now. We pray that there be peace for the gospel to be preached. Is this final push before you come back home. Holy Spirit, would you move, Lord Jesus? Would you sway the hearts of nations? You talk about nations being goat nations or, or sheep nations, and you separate the sheep from the goats. Lord, work in our nation. Give us strong and credible leadership, we pray, Lord. Where we're so desperate right now to, to have something to hold on to. Lord, I just pray that you put people in power that love you and know you and serve you. And that there'll be a turn of God in our parliament and our lords. That even laws would be changed in favour of, of your word in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to sing a, a final song together. We're going to get the life feet to fall because if you want prayer this morning, the Spirit of the Lord is present to heal. And I'm not going to ask you to linger over this, but if, if you want prayer this morning, you want us to lay hands on you, just come forward as quickly as you can. And we're going to minister to you in the name of Jesus. Is that all right? Bless the Lord. Thank you.